students up here serving in this way. It's ones that I had back way back in fifth grade. For those who don't know who I am, uh, my name is Tim, and uh, I'm one of the janitors here at TBC. So uh, that's one of my jobs, clean up. One I'm not going to tell any stories. We don't have time. I'm the junior high pastor, and um, it's awesome to see you guys. It's like uh, yesterday you guys were little fifth graders running around. It's so weird. You guys see little fifth graders in the lobby? Do they look smaller than they used to be? They're so tiny. They're like littler than my seven-year-old. Uh, but anyway, so we're not here to talk about them, though. We're here to talk about status, apparently. Uh, it's a series on relationships. And last week, uh, Dave talked about, what did he talk about? I wasn't here. Yeah, but what? What about it? Anybody remember? The who? So the who, like, is this person a loser or not? Like, should I actually date them or even think about talking to them? That type of stuff. So apparently you can text questions because you guys are fancy, and you can text TBC Overflow 254 to the number 22333. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Don't do that or just do it just to see what happens. Uh, you might get some spam, you know, like, anyway. There's a basket. Just fill out your card. Check this out. Do you know who that is? Does anybody know? 1998. This is my wife and I. Right? This is like before, right before we got married. So the how, apparently, somehow I figured it out because we've been married 23 years now. Uh, but yeah, that's us way back. Little babies. Oh, man. I was so messed up. I had no idea what I was doing. 1998. I was married when I was 23. She was 21. Fortunately, I got married her before she figured out what a loser I was. So it was awesome. So anyway, I, you know, when I heard I, this was the topic I had, first of all, I laughed uh, when Dave asked me. I thought, man, I can't wait to share my wealth of wisdom with these jokers. But uh, then I thought about my journey in dating and realized that it was filled with a lot more mistakes than actual positive things. Uh, don't get me wrong, I have some good stories. I don't, I don't think I have time to tell you the most amazing one, which is my engagement story. Some of you may have heard it before, but if we have time at the end, I might slide it in because it may give some of you guys inspiration way down the road. Uh, but I, I can tell you honestly, in high school, looking back at my own life, I wasn't ready to date in high school. Like, I had no business dating anybody in high school. I was just immature and really thought I knew a lot more than I did. Now, I know none of you in this room are like that, right? None of you think you know more than your parents, right? Because you, got, you understand that they know what's best for you. But back then, when I was your age, I thought I knew everything, especially when it came to the opposite sex. You know, I was like God's gift to women, right? So... I, I knew what they wanted. I knew how to talk to them. And I thought I knew what's best. And in reality, I really didn't know anything. So we're going to look at seven, actually six principles on dating. The seventh one Dave's going to talk to you about. And I think he talked to you a little bit about it already. But the first principle on dating is, uh, that's not it. It's prayer. Yeah, there we go. Prayer. So when it comes to dating and even thinking about dating and thinking about the how of dating, 
The first thing we need to make sure we are deep into is prayer. Making decisions when it comes to dating and who to date and, and all these different things, we really don't really understand how that works without prayer, without a foundation. Now, that goes for anything in our lives. Any, many actions or lack thereof are driven by fear. Oftentimes, we're fearful that, oh, everyone else will have somebody or so, everyone else has someone to talk to, everyone else has someone to go do things with, and there's this fear of missing out, of course, that's popular right now. But prayer allows us to be influenced by God's desires for us instead of what the world says or instead of even what our own friends say. And so it's important for us to see that a foundation in prayer is the most important thing when it comes to relationships. See, without prayer, we try to manipulate situations to make us look better. Without prayer, we kind of try to become whatever it is that we think that person wants. And so we end up being fake and phony, and then somewhere down the road, that person discovers that what we really are, right? But without this foundation, we start trying to manipulate situations and it comes down to this, do you trust God in this scripture, casting all your anxieties on him? Do you really trust him for what's best for you when it comes to relationships? That's the question you really need to answer in your own mind. I can't make you trust God, but I will tell you the best place you can be is a foundation on God's word and prayer before you even think about dating. Now, some of you are in the middle of it right now. But you need to make your foundation, even in your relationships, a foundation built on prayer. Because anything else is like building on a, uh, the Bible describes your, your ha a house built on sand. That's a relationship that, that lacks prayer. It's a house built on sand, and when a storm comes, guess what? It gets washed away. Your relationship doesn't stand up to the tests and trials. Next one is clarity. Next principle. Clarity. God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. For us, it's important for us to have clarity. Anybody out there hate being lost? Anybody? Raise your hand. I, I raise my hand. I always hated being lost. I don't know what it was, the youngest of four kids, so I was always dragged around everywhere, and I had no idea where we were going. And it was back in the day where, like, you could be in a station wagon without a seatbelt, so I'm, like, in the way back. The way back was, like, a whole different experience when you're driving around. You could look out the back window. Sometimes they even rolled the window down. It was really cool. No seatbelt. It was awesome. But when you're in the way back and everyone else is up here and they actually know what we're doing, I had no clue what was going on half the time, where we were going as a family. So I would yell from the back of the station wagon, like, hey, Dad, do you know where you're going? And you know what my dad would say? Because he's a lot like I am as a dad. I guess I learned it from him. He'd say, no. No. Don't you have the directions? And it wasn't like, you know, cell phones, you know, it wasn't like that where you had the GPS and all that. You actually had to print maps and stuff. And so he never had a map. And so I always thought we were lost. And I was really concerned about being lost. I have no idea why. But when it comes to relationships, that's kind of how this happens sometimes with the how in relationships where we feel kind of lost. Like, where is this going? What is going on right now? What is our status, right? And so when you're talking to someone, like let's say you meet someone who has a passion for Jesus and similar goals, 
and, and you want to get to know this person better, well, what do you do? Well, being a junior high pastor for the past 15 years here is kind of crazy to think about. I've seen this played out in a mostly horrible way, even with some of you right here in this room. Like in middle school, when you start to even think about the opposite sex, you think about that person, and it's like, what do they do? Like even some of you, the first thing was like to punch that girl and run away. Like, what is that? Why would you do that? Why would that be your thing? To pinch them or to make fun of them. Like, I'm going to make fun of you so that you know I like you. I don't know how that works, but that's middle school, right? Some of you are laughing because you actually did these things. Maybe you still do them. I don't know. But when it comes to this, it's just awkward a lot of times. And even ninth grade, ninth graders in this room, it's still awkward, right? Some of you seniors, it's still awkward. It's just the way it is. It's just weird. And so when it comes to that, uh, you know, there needs to be some clarity. When it comes to you as guys, it needs to be clarity. So there's this idea, right, of hanging out. We're just hanging out. I even have a hard time saying it like with my oldest, right, that are, are they dating or not? I, I didn't say I was going to talk about it. But it's like, are you just hanging out? Like I like it better as a dad just to say, we're just hanging out. Because then it's not like the actual word date. That is just not okay in my vocabulary. But as a dad, even this week, I've been thinking, man, I need to be more sensitive to that because in these situations, as you begin to hang out, there really needs to be clarity. To leave you guys in the middle of what is this is just confusion, and it's just really uncertain. So guys, that's one of the things that you need to understand, guys. In every poll that's ever been taken, I don't care what year it is, but even the most recent years and, and status is changing when it comes to who's taking the lead in different things. But oftentimes, girls want a face-to-face -face conversation when it comes to status. Not texting, not this weird stuff like you're going to paint something on a sidewalk somewhere and hope she sees it as she walks by. Now, that's great for when well, you go to homecoming and all those dumb things you see, videos you see, like, eh, will you go with me? And then, like, you don't even talk to each other next week. But that's different than actual dating, right? So when it comes to that, clarity, listen, guys, clarity is king. You need to be clear about your intentions. A girl that sees you as wishy-washy and not really sure and not even willing to actually say these words and actually define something will see you as somebody really is probably not worth pursuing anything with. You have to define the things that... Now, if it's the, now, don't get me wrong. If this is the first time you talk together, please don't go blabber your mouth about defining something. That's just dumb, right? You've got to give it some time. But I'm talking about over time, there needs to be some kind of definition. Don't just be unclear. Playing games with someone, keeping them guessing, is actually both cruel and prideful. So maybe something like this. Say you go hang out with a person and you go do this. Maybe it's, this was really fun. I'd like to do this again. 
Not this whole game like let the girl go home and figure out if you're going to text or not, right? And just kind of leave her hanging or leave the guy hanging just to let him sweat a little bit just to see if, you know, I can get them to text me first. And then there's this game that goes on, and it really maybe initially is fun, but ultimately it ends up being frustrating. And so clarity is important. Give clarity and understanding. It's okay to be done with relationships too. See, senior year, my senior year in high school, I told you I wasn't really prepared to date. I dated this girl who was a uh, foreign exchange student uh, from Mexico. So for me, it was, in a way, again, I wasn't mature enough for this. But in this regard, my relationship actually had an expiration date. So she was moving back to Mexico. So it was just, <laughs> I know that sounds horrible, but she was moving. What was I supposed to do? Move there with her? I don't think so. So it's a little different. So if you date a foreign exchange student, maybe there's different rules, but that's just interesting. Uh, so here's the reality. You can't, this is, this is very important. You can't ghost someone in the name of Jesus. Okay? You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't just leave them hanging. You can't just you know, like leave them there for like a week or two just to say, ah, I don't know, you're not really that important to talk to. That's just not honoring to God. If you do something together, then make it clear. Whether it's making it clear by you just want to continue to be friends, we're making it clear that, hey, let's do something again together, whatever. But don't leave them in the dark. It's just not honoring to God. Uh, then we got autonomy. It's kind of a big word, autonomy. You can see here uh, the, the author of this book that we're looking at, Ben Stewart, he says, so if someone is saying to you, I want the privilege of access to your body, but I don't want the responsibility of loving and caring you forever. That's not covenantal love. So let's get into autonomy. As Christians... The Bible calls us to be in relationships to other Christians. When it comes to potential marriage, we are called, uh, we are called to marry another believer. I've heard in 2 Corinthians 6.14, it says, Don't be yoked together with an unbeliever. Have you ever heard your parents talk about that? Yoking together with an unbeliever. Have you ever heard that scripture? Maybe in your head. Maybe you hear it somewhere. That scripture actually isn't talking about dating. So anytime a parent uses that, that's okay to use because it's really talking about idols and the way that back then they were worshiping idols and you weren't supposed to be involved in that sense of idol worship in the community. But you can still see that it's important to be able to be with someone who is a believer because Ephesians 5 clearly states the roles of husbands and wives in spiritual encouragement and care. So if you're together with an unbeliever, those roles cannot be fulfilled in your life and in your relationships. So it's very simple when it comes to that, that you should pursue someone who is a Christian. So we have basic friendship and marriage, but what about the in-between? Culture has created the need for the in-between category. I don't know if Dave talked about this last week, but the idea of dating is really a new concept when it comes to history. Because what happened is you actually became adolescents and grew into where you're at, you're at now, and you were actually in these moments where you sit thinking about marriage. That's what it was in most of history. You didn't have this in-between time of 10, even 20 years of 
what am I doing? What am I supposed to do? So culturally, you have it more difficult now than back in history. So we have some issues here. And one of the biggest problems is, and if you want to write this down, this is important. We make dating a status instead of a process. We make the idea, I'm dating, and it's like this stamp we get on us or a name tag to say, dating, right? Instead of, hey, this is a process to learn about what it looks like to be married. Dating isn't meant to be in this little capsule all by itself, just to be hanging out and getting to know somebody. Even dating in high school is this idea that as you date, you're actually looking for something for the future. Now, for some of you, it needs to be way down in the future. But either way, this isn't just separate dating and then eventually marriage. Dating is this preparation process that you're going through. So you have these questions when there's confusion and there's not clarity, there's not autonomy, like this question, why didn't you text me today? Or a statement like you might say to that other person, you're supposed to dot, dot, dot. So you have all these like ideas of what they're supposed to do and these rules in your mind, but why? Well, because we're dating. Well, what does that even mean? Why do I have these rules that you think in your head that dating should be when maybe I have totally different rules? So there's this, uh, maybe why didn't you make plans with me? Why are you hanging out with your buddies? Why aren't you with me? You're supposed to dot, dot, dot. And there's all these dating confusion questions. Here's the deal. I want you to hear this very clearly, especially those that are dating right now. You have no physical right to anybody else's body. You know that? I don't care if you've been dating a year. I don't care if she's got an engagement ring on. You have no physical right. This isn't a piece of property. You don't own her. He doesn't own you. You are your own person. So this whole like trying to hold you to these standards of whatever dating says that you have to have this percentage of time with that person in a week where that girl's going to be pissed off, right? She's going to be angry because you didn't spend this time with her, right? But the reality is this. Guess what? You don't, you're not owned by somebody. You're not. And if you think you own somebody, you guys need to just, like, if that's what you're in right now, you need to break up. If you think it's this ownership thing at this moment in time in your life, that's not okay. It's dangerous, and it's unhealthy. And so this autonomy is important. So you have no rights. And as you see on this quote from him, there's really no access that you have, this green light that you have to someone else's body until you're married. It's not. And if you try to manipulate somebody into that, thinking that way, manipulating them into that point that you think you should have access to them, you need to, you, you need to go away from dating. Take a break. Because it's not right. It's not okay. And it's not healthy. Fourth principle, purity. Dave will discuss that, so I'm skipping that. It's great that he said he's going to discuss that because I, I don't know, I'd probably say some things that uh, I get in trouble. So, 
Purity Day we'll discuss. Next one is gracious. Be gracious. What does it mean to be gracious? So, uh, back to this. Hold on. Uh, you find yourself attracted to someone and realize the feeling is mutual. What do you do? Well, this person likes these certain things. So what do you do? Change who you are, right? They like these certain things or they dress a certain way. So what do you do? Go buy new clothes, right? Because you got to be like them, right? You got to fit in. You got to kind of mesh with their personality. You start changing, like starting wearing more makeup or less makeup or have your hair a certain way. All these weird things. Try to figure out ways to impress them. Become a sappy romantic. Oh, man. If I, if I had time, I'd tell some so, oh, they're depressing stories now that I think about them of the things that I did uh, in the name of love. Uh, it was, oh, it was so embarrassing. Oh, man. Sappy romantic. Uh, so you need to remember, whatever you put out there, you're going to have to maintain and even improve on. Do you understand what I'm saying? So whatever you put out there for this potential uh, person to date, if you start here, guess where there's to go? You can only go up. You can't put on the brakes. So my first just practical piece of advice is just, hey, start small. You don't have to go buy all this stuff and do all these things to try to impress this person and have these elaborate dates and all that. Because guess what? All there is to do is to spend more money next time and to even go up. And, and, it's, it, and it gets exhausting. And you probably have to get a second job. So uh, the idea is just be real. Be gracious. Be real. Here's a statement in this book that's really powerful. He says, who we are informs what we do. How do we treat a fellow believer so gracious? How are we gracious? Uh, Colossians 3, 1 through 5. Uh, let's see here. I don't know. I have some of it. Uh, Colossians 3, 1 through 5. I'll read more of it. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. So here's the challenge. You are called to put to death your own desires because oftentimes they're sinful. The fleshly desires you're called to put to death every day. Without putting them to death, all they do is take over and they rule your life. And so you're challenged here in Colossians to say, right now I need to set my mind on something different, something that glorifies God, something that honors God instead of fulfilling these fleshly desires, instead of fulfilling those. If I'm asking someone, uh, let's see, I think I have it here. If I'm asking someone who has trusted Jesus out on a date, I'm dealing with a child of the king, and should do all I can to treat this person in a courteous manner. So here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm asking someone, if I look at that person in my interactions as a child of the king, I will probably treat them differently than if I was a ninth grade boy looking for something else, right? 
I mean, just be honest. If I see that girl as a child of the king, instead of something I want to get from her physically, then I'll treat her differently. I won't treat her as a piece of property. I'll treat her with respect. I won't ask things of her that I shouldn't be asking for her to give me. I'll treat her differently, right? Instead of dishonoring her body, I will honor her and help keep her pure. So it's a challenge when it comes to these things, and it's, it's important. I thought about it this way. If someone mistreats either one of my daughters, they're going to have a, a, a problem with me. I mean, like, I'd go to jail for one of my daughters easily. I'd, I'd have no problem getting locked up for one of my daughters. None whatsoever. Well, you think about it this way. If that's how much I love my daughters and probably a lot of these dads out here represented of, of girls and, and, and guys in this room, if, if we have really no problem with that, how do you think God looks at that girl? A child of the king. And if you see her as a child of the king made in God's image, then you start to see her differently as a girl. If you see that young man as a child of the king, then you start treating each other differently. I need to speed up a little bit, I guess. I saw Megan walk in. She's teaching over there, so I need to hurry up. So your actions should be much more about blessing that person than impressing that person. Maybe make this, uh, there's Ephesians 4, we'll move past that. Maybe make this your mission statement. Take a picture of this. If you have a phone, take a picture of it. Go ahead, get your phones out. Hurry up, quick. No, everybody has one, almost everybody. Take a picture of that. Especially the users that are dating, you too? Yeah, take a picture of this. Yep, you. Get your phone out. I see you're showing her notes on your phone. I'm sure you're taking notes. Take a picture of that screen. I ain't playing around. I'm not going to see you guys later. Take a picture of that. As a result of spending time with me, I desire for you to be a better person, look, and closer to Christ than if you had never met me. Here's the deal. Again, girls I dated in college and even high school, I'm sad to say I can't say that a lot about some of these girls I dated. I was a miserable failure in this. And I don't want you guys to do the same. When you see this, you need to say, I want that person to be closer to Christ than before they met me. And if you haven't done that, then you're failing. And you failed that person. It's important. Community. Kind of blow through this for, for a second, but you'll get community all over the place here at TBC. But there's one part of community that I think is important. When you start dating, the temptation is to go off by yourselves and not have any input from anybody else. That's a danger. What you need is godly people around you to speak into that relationship. Because it's just you and another guy or a guy and a girl, it's just you two, you're going to fail. You're too young. If it's just me as a 40-something-year-old 
I would fail too. So it's not just you and your age. The reality is we need people in communities speaking into our lives to say, hey, I noticed this. What's going on here? We need confrontation from people that love us to say, are you really treating her like Christ here? Because it doesn't look like it. We need community in our lives. And lastly, we need to be patient. Some of us are in such a hurry to date. I don't know why, but it's just, just pump the brakes. There's really no need to rush. Just because you see your friends doing it, it's not all it's cracked up to be. And you may want to talk to them about it because some of them that have been doing it a while realize, eh, I could probably take or leave this now. I mean, just honest. <laughs> High school dating. Be patient. Now, there's a scripture he used, which is really awkward. I don't even know if I should read it. He says in the book, he says, do not be hasty in laying on of hands. Now, this is really strange uh, because it can be taken the wrong way. He's not referring to dating or marriage. However, he was talking about leadership. The laying on of hands was this, the fact that a leader was called by the elders in the church, and they would lay their hands on him to say, now it's time for you to lead. And in this sense, when it comes to this, the reality is oftentimes those people have to be watched for a while before they get to lead. And in the area of patience, what he's trying to say is, look, we don't need to rush into anything. Because here's the deal. If you rush into something in high school relationships, you most likely will be disappointed. There's no reason why you can't just take your time and hang out as friends together with some other friends to get to know one another. A rush to be isolated is not healthy in high school. The ability to be able to hang out and get to know one another and be encouraged in community is important. So, last thing, and I'm done. If uh, I could suggest anything when it comes to dating or anything in your life, is to memorize these scriptures Put them somewhere in your room. Write them on your mirror. Tattoo them on your face. I don't care what it is. Get Sharpie and do it on your forearm every day. Remind yourself of these verses. These verses are like the lifeblood of who you should be as a Christian. By the mercies of God, every day presenting yourself as a living sacrifice. If I'm doing that every day, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to treat anybody I encounter with respect with honor, with love, with grace, with mercy. If I'm doing these things, I'm not going to be conformed to what the world says about dating, but I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind, and then I'll be able to discern what the will of God is. Some of you are like, I don't know what to do in this situation. This guy likes me. He keeps talking to me. This girl, you know, she's coming at me this way, you know, and I don't know what to do. Right here. Submit yourself to Christ. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. And then guess what? It says that he will show you his will. And he'll show you what to do. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the challenges, even though some of them are blunt and some of them are very uh, kind of in your face when it comes to these things. Lord, give us all wisdom and know how to manage our dating relationships and what that might look like in the future. Help us not to be in a hurry. God, we got plenty of time when it comes to being in high school to think about these things and to have you teach us. Help us to be patient. 
and to really, if we do pursue a relationship, I pray that our mission will be that that person is closer to you now than before they met us. In your name we pray. Amen.